When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest Toothpaste, Secret Deodorant, Old Spice Deodorant, or Gillette Razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Welcome to October, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into the Vivid Seat Studios from OB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson. Coming at you with a great podcast, and the reason why it is so great is that you've got a gentleman born and raised in Wisconsin, a Milwaukee Brewers fan, who is currently hosting this podcast, and my guest is Tim Murray, a Washington Nationals fan based out there in our nation's capital. He does terrific work with NBC Sports and NBC Sports Radio's The Daily Line. You can now actually catch it on TV, so he's doing some tremendous work out there. We are going to be previewing the Washington Nationals and the Milwaukee Brewers game. Typically in the final segment, it's where I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board and a little something I like to call touch them all. We're going to be switching things up today, though. Typically in the first segment, I answer any questions that you guys have. You can always fire those in at GNRS41. Please tweet those into the timeline and not to the DMs. DMs are just bad news in general. If you do, I do not respond to them, but I always am taking a look at the timeline. My DMs are just like that one place in the building in which you try to get good Wi-Fi and you just don't get it. The timeline is the rest of the building where you're able to access everything. The DMs are not. So 
It's one of those situations where I always tweet those into the timeline. Did not get any today. And typically, like I said, final segment is where I give you a play on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board. We're going to be switching things up. In the final segment, I'm going to be taking a look at the futures market, telling you what teams I think have value and what teams don't. I will always reiterate this on the podcast. I'm more of a game-by-game better. I'm not someone that has any futures out on any of this, but at the same time, I do recognize a lot of you guys do, and I'm able to give some insight there on how I think these series are going to play. So I'm going to give you guys my honest thoughts there, but we are going to, in the first segment, be giving you guys a side and total on this National League wildcard game in something I like to call Touch Em All. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. In most podcasts, I would say 99% of gambling podcasts, they give you the plays at the end. Today, I'm able to give them to you at the beginning because of our good friends at Vivid Seats. If you've never checked out Vivid Seats, your first-time customer, type into the app Overtime. That's all one word, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, and you're able to get up to $100 off of all tickets. You want to go to this wild card game tonight? You want to go to a playoff game? Heck, maybe you just want to go to a concert or anything like that. Vivid Seats has all the tickets for all these events. So big thanks to them for allowing me to do this. And let's give you the rundown of this National League wildcard game. It is 9-11, 9-12 on the bank rotation. Milwaukee Birds hit the road face off against Washington Nationals. Mad Max Scherzer goes for the Washington Nationals. Brandon Woodruff for the Milwaukee Birds. Your total on this game is 7.5. Overs juice anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The unders anywhere between even and minus 105. This actually varies at circumstances. With Circa, the under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105. That's because the total there is 8. And if you're looking at the Milwaukee Brewers, across the board, you're going to be getting a plus price anywhere between plus 150 and plus 165. If you want to lay it here with the Nationals, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 173 and minus 180. Now, I will let you guys know that myself and Tim Murray are going to be getting into a lot of depth. So I'm not going to be going into the total amount of depth that I typically do. But with Max Scherzer, over 8 starts ever since coming off the injury list and ever since the all-star break got an ERA right around 4-8. He's not been himself. Now, you do also want to note that Dave Martinez went on to Mad Dog Chris Russo's radio show. I believe it was either yesterday or the day before, and he said that Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin might be coming out of the bullpen. Patrick Corbin, over his last 11 starts and or appearances in Washington, has been absolutely dynamic. At home, he's got an ERA in that time span right around a 1-2. But with that said, we all do know about the Washington Nationals bullpen, and if they have to rely upon any of those guys, say that Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin, they can't adapt to their role coming out of the bullpen because it varies from player to player. You then have to rely upon guys like Tanner Rainey, Sean doing little for betters, and my favorite, Fernand, oh no, Rodney, as the Washington Nationals had the worst bullpen ERA in the big leagues for the entire year. Meanwhile, the Milwaukee Brewers are coming off a sweep at the hands of the Colorado Rockies, but you do have quite a few guys are doing a solid job of being able to provide for this team despite the injury to Christian Yelich, Mike Moustakis, and Yasmani Grandal both have seven plus home runs over the last 30 days. And you got so many guys for the year hitting between, I would say, about a 245 and a 260 for this team. Eric Thames, Mike Moustakis, Yasmani Grandal, 
Trent Christian has now dipped his batting average to 230, but you've even got a guy like a Ben Gamble in there as well. Cody Spangenberg struggling a little bit. He's now hitting a 232, but Ryan Braun has been terrific for this. He made it right around 280, and perhaps the hero for the Milwaukee Brewers might be a guy by the name of Keston Hira. If he gets a home run, I will say, hip, hip, raw for my bets because he's hitting a little bit over a 300 for this team, and we all know that with the Milwaukee Brewers, it's going to be all hands on deck. Brandon Woodruff has pitched in four innings and has made two starts ever since the end of July. He's a guy that's getting ramped back up, and we saw the Brewers take this approach last year in the postseason. Brandon Woodruff give a couple innings as a starter, and then from there, you just use all your arms. Drew Pomerantz is able to give you multiple innings. We've seen Josh Hader go as deep as three innings in a start, and this is a spot where I'm going to be looking at the Milwaukee Brewers. I think that there's tremendous value, and with the last time these two teams played in Washington over the three-game set, I believe that a grand total of 44 runs were plated. Max Scherzer is not looking like his normal self. And the Milwaukee Brewers bullpen over their series against the Colorado Rockies did not necessarily fare the best, but I will say it is still solid, but I think that the Washington Nationals, a team that is number one with regards to runs per game, with guys like Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto, both in the middle of the lineup with an on-base percentage of 400, 34-plus home runs, over 100 RBI for each are going to be big. And then I'm going to be talking about the secret weapon of the Washington Nationals coming up in the next segment for t- with Tim Murray as well. He's a acquisition that was a little bit off the beaten path that is really going to be helping out his team. But with that said, I think that the Milwaukee Brewers are going to be able to get to Max Scherzer. I think they're going to be able to get to that bullpen. I'm just not sure what we're going to be able to expect from Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin if they do pitch in this game. So for that reason, going with the plus price of the Milwaukee Brewers and the total over. When I was checking earlier, the over on 7.5 had minus 120s across the board. I'm now seeing a minus 115. So I'd like to see if I'm able to get a little bit of better juice. And I'm noticing the money is coming in on the Nationals, so I'm in Wayne Seamon on both of these, but we're certainly going to be playing both, so hopefully you guys have enjoyed the fact that I gave you guys a pick right up front on this podcast, so that is something that I always love being able to do, and coming up next, we're going to be diving a little bit more in-depth on this nationally wildcard game with our man Tim Murray of NBC Sports Radio. does a terrific job with the Daily Line, and that is up next. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. And welcome back to the Vivid Seat Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you once again, and it is great to have our next guest. This guy is absolutely tremendous at what he does. He, You could hear him on NBC Sports Radio, and now you can see him on TV on NBC Sports as well as this is a gentleman that's moving up to the big time with his show, The Daily Line. You can catch up Monday through Friday. With regards to Pacific time, the show runs from noon to 4 on the East Coast. That is 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern. And he's also based out there in Washington, D.C. So how fitting that we've got a Wisconsin guy and a Washington, D.C. guy as it is going to be Brewers and Nationals during the wildcard game tonight. Tim Murray is my guest, and you can follow him on Twitter at 1TimMurray. Tim, how are you today? I'm good, man. I'm going. I'll be there. I'll be in the flesh. I'm looking forward to it. You know, for you, GP, good news. I don't bring good luck. I am 0-3 in Nats playoff games. I went to 2 in 2012. I went to 1 in 2014. I don't bring any luck. So, good news. That's the type of insight you need to know when you're looking to put down some cash on tonight's game. Tim Murray, 0-3 going to Nationals playoff games. And that is something that 
we are going to be taking a look at as I think that that is now going to change my handicapping altogether as it's going to be, in my opinion, a very good game. You got Brandon Woodruff going for the Milwaukee Brewers, and if he goes more than three innings, I'll be shocked. And you got Mad Max Scherzer going for the Washington Nationals, but for Mad Max Scherzer, things have not been the same. And his eight starts ever since the All-Star break, ERA hovering right around 4-8. He's one past six innings once. What are you expecting out of Max in this one? Because the last time we saw him, he wound up giving up four runs to the Philadelphia Phillies. I guess you could call it B team. Yeah, it's a tricky spot, right? Because Max Scherzer has won multiple Cy Youngs. He was the runner-up last year to Jacob deGrom. Overall, this is the guy you think should be on the hill. But I think you make a great point, GP, is that lately, since he came off the DL, it hasn't been the same old Max Scherzer. And it's tough. I guess you kind of have to go with Max Scherzer in this spot. But Steven Strasburg, in my opinion, should be the guy. I think he's been pitching the best of anyone on that staff. That being said, the Nats have flat out said they are going to have Scherzer, sorry, Strasburg and Corbin ready to come out of the bullpen. Um, because the Nats bullpen, even if they get a good start from Scherzer, that bullpen is something that cannot be trusted. And if they were to make it past the Brewers and onto the NLDS, they'll get a little bit more creative. But I do appreciate that the Nationals are flat out saying, look, the season ends tonight if we don't win this game. So, you know, how short will that leash be? We've seen Max Scherzer in in previous years flat out, you know, not give up the ball. But, you know, one bet that I'm looking at, is that yes, no, first inning run prop. Last check I saw was the Westgate had it at minus 105 on the yes, minus 115 on the no, and you mentioned it. You know, he struggled, Max Scherzer did in his last start, and he always tends to get a little too amped up for these types of big moments, and I would not be surprised if this Brewers lineup was able to get a run in the first inning. And you look at the last start that he made against the Phillies, he gave up three in that first inning. He's susceptible to home runs. So I would take a a decent look at the minus 105 yes. And GP, you know this for playing as many baseball bets that you play, right? Minus 105 for a yes-no prop is telling me something. It's telling me that the books anticipate that there's a good chance a run is going to be scored. Usually, if you're going to hit the yes prop, it's what, plus 130, plus 140? And you got Max Scherzer on the hill, and you're at minus 105. So I think it's telling you something that the books sense a run in the first inning is a decent likelihood. I do agree with you there, as we do have Tim Murray joining me right here on the podcast. And another thing I'm looking at is this total is very low, which is why you're probably getting such a favorable line on that first setting. Right now, taking a look across Vegas, I'm seeing 1-8 on the total with the juice to the under. The rest of them, I'm seeing 7.5 with the juice on the over at minus 120. This seems like a line that is very, very low considering how Max Scherzer Mm -hmm. has been pitching. And it's more or less about the name brand, but I will also throw in there this. I'm hearing from Dave Martinez that Patrick Corbin and Steven Strasburg might be ready in relief, which could cause for a very, very interesting situation if Max Scherzer, say, gives up two or three in the first. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, And that's going to be a big, big decision for Davey Martinez to make. And like I mentioned before, you look at this bullpen for the Nats, you can't trust it in a win-or-go-home situation. For the Nats, it worked out perfectly. They were able to you know, sweep that five-game series against the Phillies and then sweep the Indians to head into the postseason without 
utilizing their big boys, you know, over the weekend. You know, Joe Ross closed out the season on Sunday and pitched very well doing so. And they were able to set themselves up for this situation so they could have a Strasburg and a Corbin ready to go. So I don't know what the order is going to be, if it'll be a Corbin or if it'll be a Strasburg right out of the gates after Scherzer. But I have to imagine, unless it's a blowout of some sorts, GP, I think that's where you're going to see Strasburg and Corbin come out. And, you know, it's always kind of a tricky proposition uh, with starters coming out of the bullpen. Those are guys that are used to a particular routine. And, you know, how does that translate? So that is a very low total set at seven and a half. And the Nats lineup's been hitting very well. I hate to say take the, you know, the over, but I think it that's where I'm leaning right now. It seems like that is a pretty low total for this game. When you take a look at this Washington Nationals lineup, it has been very solid recently. You've got Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto, two guys with 34 home runs, over 100 RBI. Trey Turner has come alive for this team. And I think that you would agree with me, as Drupal Cabrera has been one of the most under-the-radar, sneaky additions of any team out there in the big leagues. Ever since he got into Washington, sitting right around 300. He's done a great job. He's really... Ease the pain of, I would say, guys like Brian Dozier, Matt Adams, not necessarily having great years. And I think they could be a little bit of a dis- difference maker for the team. Oh, there's no doubt. As Drupal Cabrera has been close to a godsend to this team. And, you know, the second base was a big question mark heading into the year for the Nats, and they went out and got Brian Dozier. I actually wanted the Nats to go out and get Jonathan Scope, but that's neither here nor there. You know, the Nats actually traded for Esdrubal Cabrera back in 2014 from the Indians when the Nats ultimately won the NL East and then got knocked out in 2014 by the San Francisco Giants. And as Drupal Cabrera really underachieved while in Washington, he did not play that well. He started at second base. He hit under 230. And really his most notable thing, he was ejected during that Jordan Zimmerman near, you know, perfect game or I don't know if it was a perfect game or whatever, when Drew Storen came in and they went to 18 innings and they ultimately lost to the Giants. But he was ejected in that game. He was having a terrible year. GP in Texas, and he's hitting 323 in Washington, six bombs, 40 RBI. He's been very clutch at times. So, yeah, he's been massive to this lineup. The threat of Trey Turner stealing a bag. Adam Eaton has really stepped up. So, to your point about how potent this lineup has been, they've been very strong. I mean, the only worry that I have is Anthony Rendon down the stretch didn't play that great. Um, you know, you look at his last five games, he had just one hit and that came on Saturday. It was a double against the Indians. I mean, he's such a, an incredible hitter and he was flirting with, you know, possibly, you know, winning the batting title. And over his last 10 games, his batting average dropped 11 points. So you hope that, you know, maybe a couple days off. He didn't play on Sunday in the f- season finale. He was obviously off yesterday. So you hope that, you know, maybe just a breath of fresh air changed things up. He's been so terrific this year. He'll probably finish third in the in the NL MVP voting. They need him, no doubt, tonight and for this series. But he, yeah, he's been great, but he has struggled down the stretch. So that's something to keep an eye on is that Anthony Rendon hasn't really been playing all that well. Very good point, as we do have Tim Murray of NBC Sports and NBC Sports Radio joining me right here on the podcast. And as we both know, the winner of this game is going to be able to get the L.A. Dodgers for a five-game series. That's a very nice treat right there. And for the L.A. Dodgers, they've been doing, (laughs) obviously, Yeoman's work all year long, winning 100-plus games. But out of these two teams, which one do you think would have the better chance to be able to 
unseat the Dodgers because I do have to go with the Washington Nationals because with the Milwaukee Brewers, with the run that they made in September, they were doing it with a 40-man roster. They were able to go through so many bullpen arms and everything like that, whereas when you shrink it down to 25, you got to feel like after a while those arms are going to get tired, and even if they do steal a game or two, it's going to affect them in the back half of the series. Yeah, I would I would lean the Nats because of starting pitching and the way that this lineup has played so far. That bullpen scares the bejesus out of me for the Nationals. But, you know, the Brewers, look, you beat who's on your schedule. And I'm not knocking the Brewers, but they took advantage of the schedule that was in front of them. Tip your cap to them. But at some point, losing Christian Yelich is going to catch up to them. You know, it's funny. I'm looking back at the previous National League wildcard games, GP, and the first ever National League wildcard winner was the Cardinals in 2012. They ended up beating the Nats in that epic, you know, fifth game. Three out of the first four years, the winner of the National League wildcard game wound up winning the NLDS. But in the last three years, we've had the Giants lose three games to one, and then the Diamondbacks and Rockies the past two years have been swept respectively the Rockies last year by the Brewers and uh, two years ago by the Dodgers. So it's funny how early on it was advantageous and it's a small sample size. Recent history says the winner of this, at least the NL wildcard game, is going to struggle. But yeah, I, I tend to agree. I do think it would be the Nationals because as much as Scherzer has struggled, we've seen starting pitching just dominate postseason series. And especially in a best of five, if you can get a dominant performance from Strasburg, Corbin, and then Scherzer. I mean, that is a pretty formidable trio that the Nats have the capabilities of throwing out there. The biggest thing for them is they need to hope that those three guys can go deep into the games so that it's Daniel Hudson and a Doolittle, and that's it to try to, to close the game out. You do wonder if this is the year. I know Dodgers fans have been saying that forever. Uh, is this finally the year, first time since 88, that the Dodgers can do it? Uh, because they've had just an incredible year. They'll have the MVP. They've got great pitching. It feels like they've got a, a really good opportunity this year to take care of business. I am right there with you. And what do you make out of the other National League series, which we know it's going to be the St. Louis Cardinals and the Atlanta Braves. The St. Louis Cardinals are a little bit like the Milwaukee Brewers. Right now, they don't necessarily have that one guy that's completely on fire, but don't tell that to Tommy Edmond, who's been hitting right around a 365 the last last 30 days. He has been amazing. But with that said, the St. Louis Cardinals have been doing it really on bullpen pitching and Jack Flaherty delivering great starts. Meanwhile, for the Atlanta Braves, very formidable offense. The pitching with some of their guys has been shaky. Mike Soroka's second half of the year was absolutely terrific, but guys like Dallas Keiko, Max Fried and company have been showing some chinks in the armor. I think that this is one that could go five. Yeah, I think I'd lean St. Louis on this one. I do wonder sometimes if it catches up to you when you're not in a pennant race. And the Braves clinched the NL East weeks ago. Well, the Cardinals didn't officially clinch the NL uh, Central until Sunday. And I do wonder if that catches up with you. It seemed like, you know, they're trying to set things up. Freddie Freeman doesn't seem 100% healthy at this point. So I'm tending to lead the Cardinals in this spot just because I've seen this before where teams clinch so far in advance. They struggled a little bit down the stretch. Did they care at all about playing the Mets in the final series? No, but still you get swept by the Mets. You lose a couple to San Francisco and Kansas City. It was just a little bit bizarre to see how they played down the stretch. And St. Louis, you know, they were scratching and clawing trying to clinch up that division because the Brewers wouldn't go away. 
I would take St. Louis in this series against the Braves. This is going to be one that I'm going to be very perplexed by because I'm probably going to be betting this game by game. I think that (laughs) every one of these is going to be just absolutely insane. I'm not going to be getting involved in the futures in that whatsoever. But taking a look at the American League as well, as we do have Tim Murray joining me right here on the podcast. Who are you liking with regards to that American League side? Because I know a lot of people are talking that it's probably going to be Astros versus Yankees, and I can't disagree there. But at the same time, I do think that the Oakland A's, if they're able to get past the Tampa Bay Rays, have a chance to, at the very least, play both of these teams tough because the Yankees have struggled whenever they went to Oakland, and Oakland has actually had a little bit of success against the Houston Astros, something you can't say about pretty much anyone else. Look at this. I mean, the American League is just monster after monster. You got a a wild card game with a 97-win Oakland team, a 96-win Tampa Bay team. You got the Astros won 107. You've got the Twins 101 and the Yankees 103. The American League is incredible. Maybe I'm crazy. Look, GP, I defer to you on uh, on game-to-game betting in baseball, but I'm a huge fan of Charlie Morton. And I could see him shoving in Oakland on Wednesday. I would not be surprised if Tampa makes it through and uh, goes up against the Houston Astros. Part of me does want to see this juggernaut of a matchup. I mean, it would be cool to see Minnesota make it onto the ALCS. Wouldn't stun me. But I would like to see, you know, that pitching staff of Houston with Verlander, with Granke, with everything that they've got, Garrett Cole going up against that lineup in New York. That would be an absolute heavyweight fight. So personally, as a baseball fan, I don't have a dog in the fight. My team's the Nats, but I think the Houston Astros and and Yankees, a little chalk prevailing to the ALCS would be phenomenal baseball. I think so as well. I think that that would be exactly what fans want to see. But at the same time, I am always one of those people being just a college basketball fan through and through that. I always love seeing the upsets. I want to see University of Maryland, Baltimore County playing against the Houston yeah. Astros in the World Series or something like that. That would be absolutely insane. Obviously, we're not going to be quite getting that. But when it comes to this game tonight between the Brewers and the Nationals, would you like to make a friendly wager? Because sure. you're on the Nationals. I am on the Brewers. What does the loser have to do? Oh, man. Ah. Uh... You tell me, G- uh, GP. I- I'm 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 down for a little friendly wager. Um, trying to think here. Uh, man, what would be a good one? I don't know. Maybe we could leave it to the people on Twitter for this one or something. I've like got that. I'm one. sure. All right, let's go I've for it. What do you one. got? We exchange a case of beer. Loser gets a nice case of beer. Perfect case of beer. It is. All right, so that is the first friendly wager that we've had here on MLB Overtime (laughs) Betting, but we always know that Tim Murray delivers good work, and Tim would like to close it up with this. Where can the good people find your show, The Daily Line? Because now it's not just on the radio. Now you're able to actually see your sparkling, beautiful face on TV, and I know you're doing tons of great other work as well. Yeah, people, uh, be scared, hide the children. We are on TV. You could tune in for my co-hosts, Sarah Perlman and Michael Jenkins. They're they're the beauties. But yeah, you can watch it every day. Uh, if you're in any one of these particular areas, you can get it on your TV screen in uh, NBC Bay Area, NBC Sports Chicago, NBC Sports Philly, or Washington, D.C. from 3 to 7 in the East. And also you could stream it online, NBCSports.com backslash bet. 
And you can also subscribe to the podcast, listen to it on the Radio Waves, NBC Sports Radio. So four hours every day talking sports, gambling, and making our picks. Fade us, follow us, whatever you want to do. We're all in it for everyone to make some money, GP. Absolutely. That is the goal. Always help the people make a couple bucks. Always give them a little bit of entertainment as well and just give some informed insight. Even if people don't back the plays that you're on, at the very least, giving them that perspective always big. So I'm right there with you, Tim. A big thanks to Tim Murray of NBC Sports Radio for joining me in the last segment right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And coming up next, it is that time that I give you a side and turn on a little bit more of a breakdown on this NL wildcard game and we're also going to be looking forward to the AL wildcard game as well right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem so yeah, he better not blow it. Alright, we are back here in the Vivid Seat Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to Tim Murray for joining me in the last segment. This is a spot where I wish I could give you a play on the AL wildcard game. I was thinking that by now as I'm doing this very late Monday evening that we would have a serve for the Oakland A's. That is not the case, which means that it is going to be 9-13, 9-14 on the betting rotation. Tampa Bay Rays on the road against the Oakland A's. I'm not going to be able to give you guys set picks or anything like that. Obviously, there's going to be nothing locked in. I'll give you guys a little bit of analysis here. As it is, Charlie Morton going for the Tampa Bay Rays to be decided for the Oakland A's. Circa has a line on this game. Total of 8, over and under both at minus 110. If you like the A's, you're going to be laying minus 140. Plus price on the Tampa Bay Rays is plus 128. Seeing that pretty consistent across the the offshore market as well. I'm seeing more of a total of seven and a half, but the over is just have minus 119. Why minus 119? I'm not sure, but you're noticing that the Oakland A's laying right around minus 137 to minus 140. This is a spot where as of right now, I'm going to be looking at the Oakland A's. It's probably going to be either Mike Straight Fires or it's going to be Sean Manea. And at this point, I'd probably be looking at Sean Manea a little bit more. With the Oakland A's, you got to think that guys like AJ Puke and Jesus Lazardo are going to be able to come out of the bullpen. Even if it is Sean Manea starting, you could probably get a couple innings out of Mike Fires. Homer Bailey might be on standby in this game as well. So you've got a lot of options with the Oakland A's and with the Tampa Bay Rays with Charlie Morton. Probably going to be able to deliver five to six strong innings. But I will say for Charlie Morton, he has been a little bit shaky recently. I know that our good buddy Tim Murray really likes how he's been pitching all year long. And for the year, Charlie Morton still doing a very good job. He's got right around 12 strikeouts per nine innings. So... It is not as if this is a guy that isn't able to strike him out. And the Oakland A's, we do know this about them. They are much better at being able to hit lefties than they are righties. You've got guys like Marcus Simeon, Matt Chapman, and Matt Olson that all approach this game with between 32 and 36 home runs. And Marcus Simeon, over the last month or so, has been one of the hottest players out there in baseball. But you take a look at Charlie Morton. This is a guy that towards the beginning of the year was absolutely tremendous, but he wound up taking a lot of losses late as you take a look at him from June 26th on. The team was 12-5, and but he wound up losing all five of those decisions. Going into that June 26th start against the LA Angels, he had not lost a decision in, I believe, 22 starts, so that was something I found interesting, and over the course of the last 17 starts of the season, he was having an ERA right around a 375 and opponents were getting more around 240 off of him. So that is something that you do want to note as well. In that time span, he was getting right around 12 strikeouts per nine innings, which is good. And I will say this for the Rays. Won every one of his starts 
in the month of September. A lot of that is because the team was able to score four or more runs in every one of those games, and that includes an eight spot against the Cleveland Indians and an 11 spot on the LA Angels. So he certainly was provided with a lot of run support, but I do think that this is a total that is going to be able to stay under. I am going to be looking at that, whether it is Manea or if it is Mike Straight Fires, but early lean on this game. Oakland A's and the under. I'm going to have a little bit more on this tomorrow when we're actually going to know a starter, and I'll obviously be tweeting out plays and any changes are made, anything like that, all going to be noted on my Twitter feed at GNRSquare81. But as promised, we're going to be taking a look at the futures board of Major League Baseball. I'm going to be letting you guys know that I am getting these lines from the Westgate. Jeff Sherman at Golf Odds put out these odds on Twitter, so I'm going to be using that direct tweet. So in case you're wondering what time these odds are from, where they're from, everything like that. There is your answer, so complete transparency there. But taking a look at the MLB betting board in regards to the futures, Houston Astros are 2-1 to one over at the Westgate. Dodgers 5-2, to two. New York Yankees 4-1, to one. Atlanta Braves 10-1, to one. Cardinals 12-1, to one. Minnesota Twins 12-1, to one. Nationals 16-1, to one. A's 25-1, to one. and then the Rays and Brewers are 30-1. to one. You can tell that the underdogs in the wild card game are obviously the longest shots, and I just don't think the Rays or the Brewers have any shot of being able to win the World Series just because you do need some good starting pitching in order to be able to take the whole shebang. I recall that we were talking yesterday with our good buddy Matt Peralta about this, and I believe that he's on the same wavelength as me, as you need at least some good starting pitching. You don't need to have Zach Greinke, Garrett Cole, and Justin Verlander, though that's obviously a very good trio to have, and that makes you a favorite like the Houston Astros are. But at the same time, you need someone like a Jack Flaherty for the St. Louis Cardinals, I think, gives them a little bit of an edge. And I do find it interesting that the Braves are 10-1 to and the Cardinals are 12-1. to That means that in that series, the Braves are probably going to be a slight favorite. Hopefully, I'll be able to give you guys some series prices tomorrow as well. I think that the Twins at 12-1 to are a little bit too short of a shot as well. Jose Barrios ever since the beginning of the month of August, has given up three yards or more in all but one of his starts. Kyle Gibson has really seen stuff hit the fan. You're probably going to be looking at a guy like a Devin Smelter or a Ryan D. Dobnik having to be very key for them in that pitching staff, though I will say for the Minnesota Twins on the road this year, they have been the best team in baseball as an underdog straight up. They've won over 60% of their games as well, so you certainly don't want to count them out, but I think that the New York Yankees would be able to take that series. The Yankees getting back Luis Severino's big. I know that in his last start against the Texas Rangers, he gave up three runs over the course of three innings, but by and large, he's looked good ever since coming out the injured list. He's going to help them out. You do want to note the James Paxton injury, though, because the only way the Yankees are going to be able to knock off the Astros, I believe, is if they're able to get a couple of good starts out of James Paxton, because right now, they're the only he's the only guy that they can rely upon. I know that Masahiro Tanaka has been good in the postseason in the past, and he's looked a little bit better, but by and large, ever since the All-Star break, this is a guy with an ERA that is hovering right around five. The team has been able to win his starts, but I think that the Houston Astros are going to be able to neutralize that New York Yankees lineup, one in which has been badly banged up. Gary Sanchez and Edwin Encarnacion were missing most of the end of the season, but then you put in there guys like DJ LeMahieu, Gio Urshela, Mike Talkman was able to give the guy good at bats. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. But with that said, I do think that the Astros, the clear favorite to be able to 
win that American League. Though I will say, if the Oakland A's are able to get by the Tampa Bay Rays, like I think, they could make things a little bit more interesting because they've had success against the Yankees and the Astros so far this year. But you take a look at the National League. The Dodgers do certainly have some issues. Now, I will say... Their bullpen with regards to ERA has actually been the best in the big leagues over the last 30 days. I think that that surprises a lot of people because we all take a look at Kenley Jansen. He's not what he once was, but the other guys have been doing a very good job for them. Ross Stripling is now going to be in the bullpen. They're going to have him at their disposal. Then you have to go up against Clayton Kershaw, Walker Buehler, and Hunjin Ryu three times in a series. That is going to be absolutely brutal. So regardless of whether the Nationals or the Brewers win, I just don't think that they can keep up, especially with the Nationals having Mad Max Scherzer being so banged up. I've been noting this on the podcast. He just doesn't look right out there. He's not delivering the length that you desire. And with the Atlanta Braves, I just have some questions about them as well. I think that's going to be very interesting to see how that Braves versus Cardinals series plays out. I really don't have an opinion as regards to the series. If I were to play it, I'd probably be looking at the team that is getting plus money because I think that this is a very even up series. The Atlanta Braves obviously have the better lineup, but the St. Louis Cardinals, they certainly do have some good pitching. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, you do have a trio of guys in Marcel Ozuna, Paul DeYoung, and Paul Goldschmidt with between 29 and 33 home runs, but the Atlanta Braves, only team in the big leagues with three guys with 36 plus home runs. That'd be Josh Donaldson, Freddie Freeman, and Ronald Acuna Jr. And you do want to note that Acuna Jr. was held out for essentially the last week or two of the season to be able to rest up for this one. You got to wonder, like our man Tim Murray was saying, whether that affects him positively or negatively. And then also with the Atlanta Braves, Ozzy Albies in the month of September was actually the best hitter on the planet, hitting nearly a 380 in that time span. So that is obviously going to be big. And I do think that you do have a Astros versus Dodgers World Series. And I do think that the value is on the Astros, despite the fact that they're only two to one. But I would say shop around because we were mentioning this on the podcast yesterday with Matt Peralta as well. Mattress Mac is buying up Houston Astros tickets like he's trying to buy up a good stock in the stock markets. You want to be avoiding the shops that he's hitting because he's putting down hundreds and hundreds of thousands, if not even some seven-figure bets on the Houston Astros. So you want to be avoiding those shops and you want to be looking for the most value humanly possible. And if you like one of those teams like a New York Yankees, like maybe a long shot like the Rays or the Brewers or something like that, you want to hit one of those shops that Mattress Mac has gone to and bet the Houston Astros on because you're going to, by and large, be able to get more value because that means that the book is going to have a lot of liability on the Houston Astros. They're going to shorten up that Astros price, and that means that you're going to be able to get a little bit of a better price on so many of those other teams. So shop around for these futures. That's just a little bit of my thoughts on that, and that's my thoughts on the American League wildcard game as as well. I'll be having a little bit more on that as well. And if you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Big thanks to our man Tim Murray of the Daily Line on NBC Sports and NBC Sports Radio for joining me in the second segment. And let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. And as always, if you ever have questions for the podcast, tweet them in at GNRS41 to the timeline. Thank you so much for tuning in.